Welcome to Stars, Stones, and Stories. I am your host, Rama, and together we are weaving ancient future wisdom as we birth the new earth. If you are into astrology, cosmology, living mythology, earth-based spirituality, kundalini technology, and ancestral healing, you are home. If you stumbled upon this podcast and are new to these topics, this is Sovereign Sanctuary to expand and deepen your wisdom. As a cosmic priestess, I witness many at the threshold of great transformation. I specialize in astrological divination, sacred site activations, and priestess arts for the Aquarian Age. You may learn more about my work at ramatribe.com or follow Rama Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and support the work at patreon.com backslash Rama Tribe. This community is your opportunity to claim your story, your unique identity and power, knowing that you are the hero of your own journey. You are a hologram for the collective and you matter. The world needs your gifts and creativity now more than ever. Crystallize your medicine. In this episode, From Consumption to Creation Culture, Carrie Wilde, who is a femme guide and personal soul stylist, and I discussed fast fashion, how you can break your addiction and dress in a way that elevates your frequency and represents your true self. I break down the current cosmic weather as Mars is now officially retrograde, so we circle back around Mars and dive into the topics of initiation, and we will be welcoming a Virgo new moon, so I talk about this upcoming lunation. In honor of the Virgo new moon and the great celestial mother, I will introduce you to the Nekbet goddess, and we culminate with a meditative journey to synthesize your experience. Ancestors, 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 we call to you, we call to you, we call to you. We're so grateful for your lives, and we know we cannot do this alone, we cannot do this without you. So we welcome you 
We welcome your backing and your genius solutions to pour forth like sweet ambrosial nectar from the other world. Thank you, ancestors. Thank you for your gifts, your trials. Thank you for providing the shoulders upon that which we stand upon. Thank you for your support, seen and unseen in these times. And we welcome in the powers and spirits of the East, the element of air, the powers and spirits of the South, the element of fire, the powers and spirits of the West, the element of water, the powers and spirits of the North, the element of earth. We welcome all of the directions and all of the keepers of the directions. We ground into Mother Earth and from this anchored space where we are connected and fully immersed in our sense of belonging, we gaze up into the cosmos and we welcome in all the planetary beings, the luminaries, all the goddess and god asteroids, our starseed nations, and our guides and our guardians of the holiest and highest calibers to walk with us in the sacred journey of life. Here we are with another episode of Stars, Stones, and Stories. Thank you for being a part of this community since the last episode, episode nine. There are 150 new listeners that have joined this tribe, so thank you so much. I hope you continue to drop in and listen And I'd love to hear from you. I really, truly believe that a podcast is a form of collaboration. I know you're so inundated with technology and so many things out there are vying for our attention. And I really am dedicated to growing this community. Podcasting is a true form of art that I've wanted to be a part of for many, many, many years. And 2020 urged me to dive in. And so I'm committed to growing this for the long haul. So I want to hear from you. I want to know what you love about the podcast, what you'd like to hear more of, what you would like to see shifted or have less of. I'd really love to know, like, how are the guided meditations working? Are you having profound experiences? Do you want more of that, less of that? Do you want more interviews, less interviews? Do you prefer it's just me solo talking about astrology? 
let me know. I really, really want to hear from you. So you can DM me on Instagram at Rama Tribe or at Stars, Stones, and Stories. You can email me satnam at ramakar.com. That's satnam, S-A-T-N-A-M at R-A-M-A-K-A-U-R.com. Let me know what you love, what you would wish there was less of, what you want to see more of. And yeah, if you've got any specific questions that you'd like for me to raise, I'm here for you. And on that note, I just want to share with you about my Patreon page. It's a way to support this art and some of the other arts that I offer for as little as $3 a month. You can support the show. You can support my weekly Venetian love notes that I've been putting out for over six years now, every single Friday, except for when I'm on pilgrimage. So I'm dedicated to keeping that going, to keeping this podcast going and many, many hours go into planning the podcast, recording, editing, launching it. And at this juncture, I'm, you know, this is all done by myself in addition to all the other ways that I create art. And so your support helps me keep going. So if you feel inspired, I welcome it. Patreon.com backslash Rama tribe. And if you feel like you can't donate the funds right now, but you want to support the show, promoting it on social media always helps. You can tag me uh, in a post and put me in a story of yours. You can send the podcast link out to your friends, at least three friends at a time or text it to them. Anything helps. So I appreciate you helping to spread the good word. Last episode, we discussed cultural renaissance and how in these times we are experiencing massive collapse on so many fronts. In fact, it is very close to being overwhelming. And at the same time, we are planting seeds of new life. We are growing new concepts, new paradigms. This is a time of true renewal. We must ask ourselves, what do we want to build, to create, as this is such a fertile, juicy time on the planet. And I would like to share this quote by Arndadi Roy from her piece, The Pandemic is a Portal. She's an amazing writer, so I do recommend you check her work out. Historically, pandemics have forced humans to break with the past and imagine their world anew. This one is no different. It is a portal, a gateway between one world and the next. We can choose to walk through it, dragging the carcasses of our prejudice and hatred, our avarice, our data banks, and our dead ideas our dead rivers, and smoky skies behind us. Or we can walk through lightly with a little luggage ready to imagine another world 
and ready to fight for it. On that note, I wish to introduce to you our guest for this episode where Carrie Wilde and I discuss how we are moving from consumption to creation culture. And I'd like to introduce Carrie Wilde to you. She's an amazing mother, a personal soul stylist, and a femme guide. She guides women to connect to their highest muse and majesty through the art of intentional dressing and feminine rebirth. From fashion career to circle holder, Carrie's work and greatest passion is connecting women to see and connect with their own greatness through styling, coaching, and femme embodiment practices. Fulfilling a fashion career over 18 years and extensively studying healing therapies for well over a decade, these two worlds collide and are unified in her work. The belief that outer beauty begins with a deep soul connection within. She inspires women to move through blocks and awaken a deep sense of freedom in their lives by tapping into the grace of all situations. She supports and holds women to cross thresholds into the mature feminine with love and embodied guidance. I can start with the piece around beauty and what mm-hmm. beauty is to me. I mean, the piece that I'd really like to bring forward today is really the piece around adornment and what what adornment is in in this modern day. And, you know, I've I've actually been a practitioner of yoga for probably about 23 years now. Um, so I've had a long kind of spiritual journey with different kinds of yoga and um, different kinds of uh, practices that I've I've always always kind of um, always kind of practiced and been been in different lots of different spiritual um, lineages. And for me, the missing piece was the connection to this inner realm of presence. And then the outer realm of beauty and how the relationship between the inner and the outer and almost like um, if you were a practitioner of some lineages, then the outer was almost um, uh, rejected. There was a rejection of beauty, a rejection of desire, ego, um, and, and almost like a a rebellion against the feminine in some of the 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 spiritual journeys that I've been on and so this dissolvement of ego and um any attachment almost made well it it made me forget the essence and the qualities of this feminine spirit or the, or the feminine principle that adorns nature in so much beauty every every season. So I think when I first discovered this piece around the fact that our clothing and the way we express ourselves in our outer um, projection, and that may be through our second skin, 
um, you know, the clothing that we wear, or it may be through a, like actual uh, jewelry pieces or symbols that we wear, or the way we uh, style our hair, or the way, the makeup colors that we choose, and all of these details can be a spiritual experience. Now, and I've been on this journey of discovering how the vehicle of clothing can be a sacred spiritual experience just as much as sitting on a yoga mat and meditating there's a um an ancient way of being that is connected with uh intentional dressing and um really bringing through the transmission of who you are and how you want that to be pushed out there and and kind of how you want that to be magnetic to other people that are, are witnessing you um, and we see this in tribes. I mean, we've, we know about this throughout, throughout history. And so this self-discovery for me has been, um, how do I, what is my connection to clothes as a, as, a, as a spirit made into matter? You know, this is, somebody has put energy into this piece of clothing there are hands, there's a, a human process that is taking place. And how um, does that then translate into the finished product that I'm putting on my skin? And is that aligned with me, who I am today and my values and my integrity? And also, um, how do I make this an experience of being with myself through artistry, through beauty, through yeah through creation mm -hmm. so adornment has been this kind of pillar um which then is a pillar in all of my work that i i currently share and it's been the missing piece i feel through many years of practice and through many years of um trying to unite the inner and the outer experience mm -hmm. in my in my life and not wanting to fit in anymore to the culture. <laughs> to the culture being like the spiritual culture or the culture being the mainstream culture or both cultures <laughs> or, <laughs> or something else. <laughs> well, I, I, too, I really believe that the patriarchal culture runs through all of these, mm -hmm. um, all of these spaces, whether they are deemed spiritual spaces or it's just mm -hmm. the societal culture that is mainstream, I, I have definitely adopted style to belong to different tribes, whether that be a, a scene of yoga or whether that be a scene of, um, you know, dancing and clubbing. I've definitely worn so many masks to create a, a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. um, it's a human behavioral, you know, we all want to feel like we are part of the tribe. Um, because there's a form of safety in that. So, um, you know, clothing has so many layers to it and our connection to it from a human behavioural um, lens is that we have clothing for survival first and foremost. And then we can really move into this sense of belonging and love and moving into self-actualization through the way we um, use dress and use clothing as a form of expression so 
really the foot but the first thing is we need it to to survive <laughs> you know that's what it's created for um so depending on um i guess where i've been in my spiritual journey it's like sometimes i've wanted to hide and almost use it in that very functional way of like well you know, I need to, I need to wear something to go and pick the kids up from school. <laughs> and so it's a form of like just existing and not really um, creating a, a form of art mm-hmm. into the world. And then as, as we then start to tend to, um, I guess, like the fragments of all the distortions that we've come into contact with in, in terms of the mainstream, like you must have no hips and you must have, boy, you know, be quite boyish in your shape, but have massive boobs. And, you know, the way that we kind of like have that distortion around our shape and the, and other distortions around what is safe, like in a sexual sense, in terms of like our, our skirt lines and the way we reveal our skin and our flesh and, the male gaze and how that plays into what we buy, how we dress, what we feel good in. Um, When we start to go that layer deeper and untangle what those our keys, whatever they are, the the patriarchies or those cultures, what they represent, then we can start to really shift into like, okay, what am I here for? Who am I dressing for? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what's underneath this? How can I come home to what is completely true for my soul rather than performing into any, um, any collectives of what they ex- and expectations? What we wear is so complex. There's so much behind it. And absolutely, I feel like it, it is ultimately as we're evolving and, and particularly women are really waking up to their own feminine power and not just feminine power, right? But that the, the strength of that inner masculine and inner femininity that we can express that through our adornment. It, it is about going beyond that patriarchal culture and really reclaiming the ways of the goddess in the Mm. sense that each one of us, we get to choose what beauty, what elegance means to us. Yeah, I love what you said. Yeah. I think it's the frequency, isn't it, of Mm -hmm. what you wear and how that can then... um, allow for you you to project more of yourself so there's so many times where we've been blocked by um or not blocked but you know we're still inhabiting old skins like Mm -hmm. old parts of ourselves that we we have outgrown or our old identities or um or even wounds of the feminine where we haven't felt like we can dress in a certain way so we've adopted something very safe and I work with women that have um you know clothing that is about sometimes five sizes too big because they feel safe really wearing a bigger kind of hiding away in something that is very very too big and and also just um 
you know, some of the color choices are so neutral that, that mm-hmm. almost like they're afraid of color, they're afraid of uh, being seen. Mm-hmm. So there is definitely that inherent thread of the lack and the unworthiness and the not feeling um, confident in, in their body and also in their choice and in their artistry because, you know, as we connect into that feminine energy and we go down and in into the body to feel what's there like you said it is it can be a lot of deep inner work um but also marrying those two worlds with once we begin to harness the feminine energy that runs through us and that is our creative juice that's like our erotic edge it's like ah let's let's get playful let's get curious what else can we bring into this so I think a lot of times we've almost you know I know I did been governed into this is the magazine here you go go and buy this look what's on trend here's the shops you know we're in that almost neural pathway of like it's here it is presented go and choose something ask the shop assistant whether it fits you properly and then walk away with something that many times you like does this suit me? Is this for me? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's on trend or it's, you know, it's accessible. So I, uh, you know, I'm just going to bring it in. So I think um, the power of getting really conscious to what you choose is for me, it's definitely this down and in. So when, so through my work, it's an inner journey to outer. So we connect with the inner realms of the body and the psyche to then be able to move and shift out to the other side in our queen essence, in our majesty. So then we can dress from a place of real consciousness, understanding, um, you know, our blueprint and our, and what we want to, um, what we want to create. So it, it can, once we, you know, really um, commune with the earth and listen to what wants to birth through us, that, peace can expand into so many different facets of our lives but the the piece that I'm focusing on is the clothing but when I work with some women they're like oh my god this is affecting my business this is affecting Mm -hmm. because suddenly the codes have come in where they are like oh my inner beauty can then um, shift and transform so many other areas of my life I can become more magnetic I can become, you know, those opportunities are opening up because I am not afraid to be seen. Mm-hmm. So many times we're afraid to show ourselves for who we truly are, which is there's an inherent beauty in, in who you are and your beingness without having to do anything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it is such a journey about the willingness to be seen. And when we think about like fast fashion and the whole industry of, of corporations, so much of that is about really removing that individual identity and, and then selling to everyone the concepts that have actually come from ancient indigenous wisdom that have been stolen and taken and it is about absolutely about the frequency. And I think as we're becoming more conscious and more awakened and we're all on our own unique individual journeys, so many people are waking up to the reality that that frequency that is in everything, whether it's our food 
our clothing, our water, how we're spending our quality time. Like I, I really do feel like more and more people are coming online to the importance of being in the present moment and really choosing wisely with the frequency. Mm. Yeah. I think I was having a chat with someone earlier and we were talking about this piece around taking the, um, the mind concept of this uh, awakeness or awareness that we, we tend to watch the documentaries, listen to the conspiracy theories, everything is in the, the mind. Mm-hmm. But how about if we drink it down and in and we take it into the body mm-hmm. and we allow it to kind of assimilate in the body as medicine of like, wow, I'm still holding this here and I'm still holding that here and I haven't reclaimed that part of myself. How can we then, you know, this awareness that we have about the planet and how much everything is intense and shifting, if we drink that medicine and really embody the medicine of that, then we can create shifts and we can go from just consuming into creating. We can then go from something that is just, um, yeah, just, just kind of um, projected towards us and broadcast on us into something that is shifting and uh, breaking through to a new, a new reality. But it's only when we take it, I feel, down and into the body to feel it, to uh, uh, you know, um, alchemize it, that we can mm. then create action. Because Absolutely. what we need is we need people to be in their action. And um, how are you consciously living with this truth? So we've done the food piece. You know, we look at the ingredients. We know, you know, about fast food. We've, we've been doing that. But then are we looking at the ingredients of clothing? Are we looking at the labels? Are we seeing the country of origin? Are we looking at the fabric, the dyes, the frequency? Because what's in that frequency is a number of processes, a number of hands, a number of countries sometimes, depending on where fabric is coming from, where um, where the manufacturer plant is, and then when it's shipped over here. So it goes through, one piece of clothing will go through a million different hands. Mm-hmm. So I think the frequency is not just about... Um, I don't know, just like it's not just a conscious creator, creative choice it's it's also what's inherently interwoven into the into the pieces that we choose and into the brands that we buy into Mm -hmm. yeah that's such a major piece and it, it is about really becoming mature and responsible as consumers Mm. like we're we're being asked to level up so much on the planet it's not just it's on every front, you know, to be spiritually mature, to be mature in knowing that every dollar we spend, we have to consider what are we buying into? Because that is our sacred energy. That's a holy exchange. And Mm. what we're giving our money for should be something that reflects our value systems. When Venus went retrograde earlier this year, that was something I was really imparting with people is anytime Venus goes retrograde, she really wants us to get clear about our values Mm. and to align our values with our lifestyle, with how we spend our time. And Mars is about to go retrograde. And so 
And this Mars retrograde is an opportunity to really take action. And so perhaps even just from this conversation, it might inspire some, you know, even if it's just 5, 10, 15, 20 people to really consciously shift their mm-hmm. connection to their clothing, the frequency, the exchange of all of it. Because we are seeing so many more artisans coming up and creating um, beautifully handmade garments that are very thoughtful, where the process is very elevated. I'm wondering, Carrie, if you could speak about your own personal journey in the fashion industry and how Mm. you got inspired to weave in your goddess path and your spiritual journey into what it is you're creating and manifesting Mm. now in the world yeah so I I started as a young girl just completely in fashion like I just I used dressing up as a vehicle to create so for me it was like if there was a piece of fabric I would make it into a hair veil and like pretend I was you know it was my way of like really playing and getting lost in that imaginary world I would just literally leave this world and go through that vehicle of dressing and adorning so it was in me from a very early age there's so many crazy photos (laughs) that my mum has shown me that I'm like what am I doing (laughs) but I was so happy and yeah and I always say that you know going into my mum's wardrobe was like a temple experience the smells the textures Mm. the pieces that were wrapped that I wasn't allowed to go into the secrecy the mystery it was like whoa I just wanted to live in there I I did I just used to go and sit in there so you know that uh, kind of obsession with clothing started really young and then I studied fashion I went to university I, I then started on a career in fashion where I was in an office environment and faxing, this was back in 99, faxing from a London head office over comments to China um, saying, you know, can you do these things that we, we want adjusting with the samples? And thinking, who is at the end of this fax machine? Like thinking, who, where is this going? You know, I'm just sort of, fact, and people are like probably thinking fax? What the hell's that? But <laughs> I'm a bit old. <laughs> I, I know what a fax machine is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> we, I recently went through this whole house purchasing situation with my mom and my dad. And my dad was like, well just can I fax you something and I was like dad people don't really fax anymore I was like just take a screenshot and text it or email it to me and and he's like I don't like he didn't really understand how to do the screenshot you know oh my god oh I I used to stand at the fax machine for hours that was my job as an admin so yeah crazy crazy I'm I'm okay that we're kind of done with the faxes yeah yeah I know me too we're done with that now and pages and all of those things that were so tricky I always questioned you know who who am I sending this to and it would be like a name of a factory and a a name of a person and and it wasn't until I developed you know climbed the corporate ladder and became more senior that then I got to fly around the world and actually meet the people in the factories and go and assess them and look at the quality 
And my, my role was a garment technologist. So I was a geek, basically a fashion geek. I knew how, I know how all clothing is made and the fabrics and the, the stitches and like every tiny detail is what I understand. It's like a specification of like an architect putting together the housing mm-hmm. specification. It's like, I know how to put together, you know, all clothes. So I would go to the factory and we'd have these discussions on how they could improve things and, and all of that. And I realized that when I went to these places, there was such inherent poverty and, and actually the difference, you know, I hadn't been to India, I don't think until I, until I traveled with work. So I was like, Mm. whoa, this is a whole, like what is happening? Being in a massive four by four car with lots of kids running at at you, banging Mm. on the windows. I mean, because I've got brown skin, it wasn't so kind of, I think they thought I was, you know, one of them in a sense. So, but it, but because I was in the car, I was definitely, you know, it was highlighted. And so going into the factories, meeting these people, realizing that they were humans at the end of the, the, the chain. And that inspired me to ask them questions and to find out about their lives and talk to them human to human instead of, you know, going in as the professional and, and kind of speaking down to them. I really met them on that that human level I wanted to understand what was happening in their lives um and I saw many things I saw you know the slave labor thread that would have boys running out of one room of a factory the other side and me saying what's going on there and they were like nothing 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 Mm. you know I saw so and you know oh you can you need to wear this big mask to go in this room Mm. and the people working in the room didn't have to wear a mask Mm-hmm. people would be not in safe environments sometimes and so day to day the retailers aren't in the factories so therefore they're not seeing exactly what goes on every day so obviously for a factory visit that you know everything would be perfect and mm-hmm. then you, you can imagine you don't know what happens week on week so I couldn't sleep at night knowing what I'd seen and uh, you know I felt the frequency of this there's some distort that something doesn't feel good I feel heavy I felt really really heavy and in the end I got really sick with work I got um not just with work but like I got a I contracted an inner ear disorder called labyrinthitis which meant I was on the floor of my house it was like the floor was spinning and it's an imbalance in your fluid in your inner ear which mm-hmm. is like a labyrinth shape mm-hmm. and the the such an interesting thing I've just so, labyrinth earrings actually because it's it's such fascinating symbology because (laughs) you like worked yourself out of the labyrinth (laughs) literally (laughs) the the goddess was like okay we gotta put you in the labyrinth (laughs) I know so I was literally on the middle of my floor like what is going on here and then I'd just find myself because I couldn't walk so I'd be mm-hmm. like crawling up my stairs and stuff. Mm. It was, and then I had to go and have these uh, eye thing, like just lots of um, neuro- neurological ways of trying to get myself out of it, but mm-hmm. really feeling a lot of guilt and shame for stepping away from the corporate capitalist ladder, mm. feeling like I was a failure, like I was, yeah, I felt immense guilt for taking time off work. Um, and I took six months months out and then I left the job and I went to train in yoga. I've, you know, I felt to me that 
the the fashion industry was toxic for me because of the the ways of working and and, and the nine to five culture and all of the which was more like eight to six that at some place you know it's it was like it took everything out of me all of the reserves and the feminine energy that I was you know that I'd that I generated just felt like they were just being exhausted into this linear path that actually made me feel like I was slumped on the sofa on a Friday night with half a bottle of wine mm-hmm. um, in, and I call it like the landfill of my life. You know, we talk about this like fast fashion is buy, use and dump. <clears throat> so you, it ends up on landfill. I was, I was the epitome of that, <laughs> that culture. Cause I was just laying on my sofa, like I'm so unhappy. Why? Is this the dream? I don't want to live this dream. Whose so, dream is this? Whose dream is this? <laughs> Can I please get shaken and waken? And I did. The goddess shook me and woke me through illness. Um, and, you know, she took me into that labyrinth. And it was, it was a hard journey. But now I realize the frequency of the fast fashion world that's entrenched with oppression of women racism Mm -hmm. slavery you know all of the codes that are inherent in that system as in it cannot be removed from it easily it is part of it it's part and parcel with with fast fashion um the way that there's no traceability and the people are not honored you know at one end of the chain people are making no money just enough money to to survive but barely 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 barely. and then the other side are profiting massively and I felt like the disparity of of the system just wasn't honoring anybody it was just the people that you know the profits over people and planet every single time and I really tried to in so many companies state the case of the people state the case of sustainability can we look at this now can we do a project can I do a project can I help Mm -hmm. and it was just met with a block every time there was an obstacle because they wanted to focus on what was going to be profitable what was going to you know help the profit line so the you know at the bottom of everything is the dharma and the mission within my work is that I want to be the voice for the people that can't speak on these things that are still trapped in the system of fast fashion and you know allow people that have privilege mm-hmm. and the power of their dollar or pound to actually use that in a conscious way for good and for the good for themselves like the fact that it's about my work is about styling is that this is a individual um way of tapping into your creativity and your artistry and also um, a way of being conscious about your consumption and how you are channeling your um what do you call it your currency into into the planet you know we're leaving a legacy here and this is the time now to really be aware of your actions not in a scary fearful way but in a like okay, it's time. It's time to move away from this. Mm. That legacy piece is huge because that consumptive fashion or consumptive food, all of those chains are the modern day form of slavery. 
you know, that slavery consciousness, unfortunately, we are still healing the, the power and control dynamics, the abuse, and the way people consume is extremely addictive. And fashion tends to be a way of filling people up, you know, where there's grief, where there's pain, where there's a lack, it, it, it is a way of shutting down those emotions. I'm wondering if you can speak to one who's listening to this, who is like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I've got a closet full of fast fashion, factory made clothing. They're feeling plummeted and listening to this and they know they could do better and they know that they could adorn themselves with clothing that would also raise their frequency, but they don't have a budget to, to go, you know, spend $400 on a beautiful handmade tunic or whatever it is. Like what, what would you recommend or like four actionable steps someone could take today to elevate their adornment and also to become more mindful Mm. of the legacy that they're leaving and and what they're teaching other generations about how to adorn and and how to consume consciously. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing would be about awareness. So just becoming aware is the first step to all of this. It's like um, stopping the consumption, just like anchor, anchor in the ground, like, okay, it stops here and now. And even have a time limit that you're going to put on yourself for, con- for stopping that consumption. So I, I ran a program last year that was a 40-day detox from fast fashion program, mm. which is really super helpful. So, you know, if you want to do it in 40 days, just maybe say, right, this is it. I'm going to try, see what this is like, have a taste of not buying and then get really clear on what you have in your collection. So really understanding, okay, yeah, these pieces need to go. These, these are ready because it's like dead energy mm-hmm. and it can kind of stagnate and, and kind of hold you back from really accessing the, you know, if you think of that in, in all of your, you know, your homes, it's like if you've got a, something that is like that stagnancy and it's, it's kind of everything holds energy. So if you can think about your clothing, you want to really kind of shift those into, um, giving them to friends or creating you know a second-hand container that you you know sell to others or something like that where you're shifting these out and the other thing is um to really you have the awareness of sustainability i think it's plugging into the macro and and the damage that it's doing because until you know what's happening out there it's almost like you're blind to it so you bypass it Uh, you kind of know that it's not that great but you haven't really looked and done the research that is it yeah that is a there's a a few documents that are really hard hitting that once you've watched them you can't unwatch them and it stays with you in your psyche so it's good to almost brainwash yourself in the direction of hang on let me research the sustainable piece. Um, and so during that time when you're, um, you've unplugged, you're kind of filling up with like, okay, what's really going on behind the scenes? Let's have a look at this. And then finding avenues for yourself on how comfortably for your budget you can, you can do this in a more ethical and sustainable way. So for instance, you may want to shop on eBay or Poshmark and look at things that are 
vintage just knowing that the pieces that you already have invested in will become your vintage if they last i mean sometimes they're not made in the best quality but you know i've got pieces in fact i'm wearing a pair of jeans that are top shop jeans that i bought about eight eight or ten years ago and they've become my vintage jeans and so there's no shame around that because i inv- one at one stage i invested in them and then so i think you don't have to like throw everything out it's really like okay i have these pieces and i you know i love these pieces but you know not buying new is is quite a big shift for some people so um i would say to do it for a certain amount of days and then during that time as well as well as researching the the macro you can begin to look at the micro in terms of brands like are there any brands that are accessible to me in my price range are there brands that are um you know have the aesthetic that i'm really looking for so maybe it's an investment piece and so we're 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 looking at clothing in a whole new way rather than this transactional fast every season i need new things Mm -hmm. it's like what's the longevity how long is that really going to last me you're starting to go back to like a slow fashion approach, which is comes from our ancestry. Actually, clothing was made, you know, probably by a local seamstress in our area, if not in our homes. Mm-hmm. So it's coming back home to the reality that clothing is an investment. It takes its energy. It's it's, um, you know, it's got work involved in it. It's, you know, if you look at how clothing is made, you'll probably be shocked. You're like, wow that takes time mm-hmm. it takes process so it does it, yeah growing up so, my mom used to make so many of my dresses and my clothing and i i loved it and certain things would take forever and i <laughs> when i went to um i don't know if in the in england you have the prom do you have prom and uh, we They've started to do them more now recently. Okay. We didn't have them when I was younger. Yeah. In my senior year, there was a homecoming dance and a prom dance. And homecoming's in the fall, prom is in the spring. I had like a potluck dinner with friends before. And she was still at home sewing my dress. And I was in my street clothes and everyone was dressed up. And I had to like run home. And like, you know, like it was still not totally finished in the back. And so when it came time for the prom, I was like, mom, like, no, you're not like doing it again. I was like, I'm not showing up at the prom with like the dress not finished. And she's like, no, I'll finish it this time. And so she made my prom dress and it was, it was done at the last minute, but it it just like, it was so beautiful. And we have the most beautiful silk material and I still have the dress. It doesn't fit anymore, but the material, you know, and oh. the amount of layers and time. And I, I do think it is so much about shifting this mindset of mm. consumption, right? And yeah. Yeah. We, we've fallen asleep at the wheel as a collective and we just like consume and with our media, with our social media, with our, oh, I'm, I'm bored. Oh, I've got to watch something. You know, it's like we're mm. filling our consciousness with something instead of just being and sitting on the earth and just breathing, right? So it's, it's totally. a massive shift in awareness and consciousness. Mm. And from that beingness comes creative spark. So once we, 
once we stop with the consumption, we know that, you know, even when we have a juice cleanse or something, we like the energy that comes through us in those moments when we're, we're stopping with the, the overconsumption almost, we can feel the energy coming through. And when, when we, when we step into that spaciousness or, you know, just beingness, then we can create something new. And, and that's really, that's the foundation of what I do is that I, I allow women to come back to their own sense of creative purpose mm-hmm. so that they can then, um, yeah, really bring through what is for them. So it's very, it's clarifying who they are all the time. It's like sieving, sieving the gold through from all of these different other aspects of self that they might have collected along the way it's like okay let's go to the gold let's find that and let's you know put that into our crowns and wear it yeah absolutely we are I think you mentioned moving into the mature mature spiritual leaders on the planet Mm -hmm. Um, many of us that have been through these journeys and rites of passage through awakenings and through also traumatic experiences these have been like they call it like the cities in in um in yoga and you know it's like the attainment of this wisdom that comes through the journeys that we've been through and I think you know it's how then it's that it's how knowing that we are you know, leaders with our own gifts and our own sense of purpose and even just sharing um, an element of the piece around fast fashion or anything that is on as hit like the, the shadow, I guess, on the planet. Mm-hmm. And we start to just bring light through to it because it doesn't have to be so dark and heavy, actually, mm-hmm. what we're holding. It can vibrationally we can shift it through alchemy through um like the drinking of the medicine and and alchemizing it into and to create something something inspiring and something that's going to actually leave that legacy that we we want to see and for the next generations you know we're literally handing it over to them so how do we want to hand over the car to, to the the next drivers you know it's kind of it's that fertile soil, isn't it, that we want to be leaving behind for them. So, yeah, I just I think we all are that on the planet right now. We're all capable and it's just about taking responsibility and um, and sharing your message, whatever that looks like. Um, but, yeah, I also just wanted to add that I work with women one to one. I the way that my work is kind of formulated is that I work on these journeys called Art of Rebirth, which is um, like a soul style journey. So it's transformation. It's an outer transformation, but there's definitely the inner depths of the journey that we we um, traverse together. And um, I am working, so I'm starting a um, online program next week which is called art of woman which is an eight week um journey into slow fashion adornment and feminine empowerment so it's moving from this infantilized kind of um you might want to call like maiden or child self into this responsible mature queen self that 
is walking in the world in a very powerful way. So it's a, a marriage of these two worlds, this feminine embodiment and the fashion journey, which is my work. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm excited too. It's such a genius marriage. I'm so oh. proud of you and your work. It's so needed oh, on the planet. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for for being who you are and like really embodying the process and being willing to go through that labyrinth journey because if you hadn't done that work, you wouldn't be able to do this work now, you know? No, no, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> thank you so much, Rama. Oh, really appreciate you. sitting with you. I dedicated a whole episode to Mars and the divine masculine and, and the journey we're on back in episode five. And here we are, episode 10, and Mars finally went retrograde on Wednesday, September 9th. And this is a portal that we're going to be journeying through. This Mars journey will take us all the way through the middle of January 2021, when Mars exits his home sign of Aries and moves into Taurus. So this is a journey for the long haul. It is going to get us through the rest of 2020. And it's very important astrology. There's so much going on in the world right now. Massive, massive fires happening out west. California was my home for six years. My daughter was born in Los Angeles. And I dearly, dearly love the land out west. My heart goes out to everyone who has lost their home or might be losing their home. And I just want to acknowledge the fires, but I also want to acknowledge that we're all grieving right now on the planet. There's a lot to grieve. It is an immense time of shedding, of dissolving, and it's important to honor it as such. Even in the grief, there's beauty. There's the promise and the hope of this new earth that we're building. And it's also very, very important to acknowledge that these systems that are dissolving are the systems that, even if we do not agree with them, they are the systems that we've come to know. And there's a loss. There's a great loss that is occurring And I want to acknowledge that loss and just take a moment as the beautiful rain is pouring down. May this beautiful water element pour over all of us like a balm, a healing balm in these times, washing away, washing away our grief and our sorrow and our pain, washing away our fears. And may this powerful water element restore and rejuvenate each one of us. In these times when we don't know what to do, 
One of the simplest things to do is to come back to your center, to your stillness, to light a candle, to sit down, to breathe, to give gratitude for the abundance that is. This Mars retrograde is absolutely a powerful, powerful time of initiation for each one of us on the planet. There is a deep healing that we have the opportunity to bring to the surface with the divine masculine frequency on planet Earth at this time. We see a lot of images and experiences and examples of the masculine frequency and, and where it is where it is suffering greatly. And we are in a time where the pure potency of the masculine is needed that protective directive active force and Mars and Aries is such a beautiful opportunity to bring that in the intensity is likely to increase from here on out very much into the middle of November and the divide just seems to be multiplying. The tactics of divide and conquer are age-old tactics. And I personally have witnessed many people debating and disagreeing on social media. It seems like social media has almost been created for disagreements particularly Facebook. And so this is a time to see where we can come together. Where's that unification? Where's the oneness? Because at the end of the day, as humans, there's much more that each one of us have in common than we have in differences. And as the world is so greatly shifting, we're being asked to come home to our humanity more and more each day. There's a, a conjunction happening between Mars and Black Moon Lilith and Aries. And Black Moon Lilith, and she's so much this asteroid goddess of where we can be the victim or the tyrant when that energy is unconscious. And when we make it conscious, it can be a very powerful source of inspiration and of just pure frequential energy. Black Moon Lilith and Aries is shaking each one of us to the core to really get into the self-esteem and where the blocks are 
there's some sort of identity crisis happening. This is a time to really drop the stories of comparison and to value yourself in your own unique expression of the divine. This is a time to be a creator, a creatrix, to move away from the culture of consumption to creativity, the longevity of creativity, the legacy of creativity, the art of being human. Mars frequency is so much about power, perceived power, power that has been taken, stolen, power that has been abused, power that has been unconscious, power that is conscious. And this Mars retrograde, it's a powerful time to ask yourself how and when do I give away my power? To really think about where in your life you are striving to win. Where are you attempting to compete to gain notoriety? Where does the appearance of success play in your life? This is a time to ask yourself, how do I utilize my holy life force, that sacred energy that is uniquely me? I feel like this Mars retrograde is offering us an opportunity to treat the outer world like noise and to go deep, deep within. As this is so much about a reclamation of the sacred, holy energy, instead of constantly tapping into the world of social media and all of the social platforms from texting, WhatsApp, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, you name it, instead of tapping in constantly, consciously choosing when and how to tune in and noticing how that affects your life force, how that affects your energy. And this requires boundaries. This requires discipline. This requires the willingness to go deep within, to be accountable to self, to know thyself, to take the time to ground and to anchor. As we journey more and more traversing through this age of Aquarius, this age of experience, we are closing the final gates of the Piscean age 
And as we close these portals, there is that time to grieve, that time to give gratitude, that time of closure. The Piscean age was so information bound, who had information, how you got information. And now in the age of Aquarius, all information is becoming transparent and available. And now we are in this age of experience. And so it's important to tap in. How do you feel? How does your body respond in an experience? When I speak to how you feel, I'm speaking, how do you feel instinctually, intuitively, physiologically? How do you feel? Creating and crafting more discernment in the Aquarian age, this age of humanity, futuristic concepts where boundaries are blurred, interconnected, and interwoven. It is essential to constantly check in. How does this feel in my body? How does this feel in my womb space? In my space of creation? Regardless of gender, all beings have a womb space. How does this feel in my heart space? How does this feel in my third eye? What am I receiving? And utilizing these three grails as a honing device. Mars retrograde is about instinct, about tuning into the physical vessel, into the life force energy, to sense what is happening. The capacity to assert self based upon personal desire. Mars pursues our goals and our dreams. This is about independence, self-sufficiency, how we project ourselves upon the world. Our ability, our courage to stand up for what is just. As Mars rules the head, the sex organs, the muscular system, the blood, the bile, the adrenals, and the elimination of excrement. We can also acknowledge that Saturn rules the bones, the teeth, the hair. Mars, hot and dry. Saturn, cold and dry. And we are in this series of squares, Mars squaring Saturn retrograde, Mars coming into a square with Jupiter and Pluto retrograde all in Capricorn. And so this is a time where we want to be buoyant, to be nimble, to be free from being brittle. We need fluidity of motion. 
Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter have been clearing out space in your life actively. Those places that have been dissolving. Now Mars retrograde is coming in to activate that which has shed and to initiate you in this next layer of the journey. I find that this Mars retrograde is really asking each one of us to move our physical bodies in new ways. Do something that is different, that is outside of your comfort zone. If you find habitually, like you can do all sorts of yoga moves, but you never walk outdoors or you haven't ridden a bike in 15, 20 years, do that thing that you haven't done. Dance naked in your living room or climb your local mountain, move your body in a new way, use your non-dominant hand to do the things that you do on a daily basis. This Mars retrograde is also offering an opportunity to complete the projects that you've been really wanting to tend to for some time now. This will create a lift, a sensation of fulfillment. And you may find that you're able to get some things done that you haven't been able to, and then there are things that you want to get done that will be challenging. So it's going to, the energy is going to affect everyone a little bit differently because it depends on if you're born during a Mars retrograde or not. And what house it's falling into and what Mars retrograde is doing with your natal Mars. However, I just want to invite every single person here listening to know that time and space are collapsing and to be so hung up and stuck on the concept of a year like 2020 is just another fold in time and space and ultimately is this conscious agreement we've made as a collective to follow the Gregorian calendar. But other than that, these years are pretty meaningless. And so there have been a lot of memes floating around about, oh, I'm like just going to sleep through the rest of 2020, or I'm just going to smudge the whole year out. And some of these memes are quite funny. And it's also like, it's the way that we collectively fall asleep is we, we decide collectively, oh, this is too challenging. Like I'm going to check out. Well, we need all hands on deck. Every single person here is essential in this journey of life on this beautiful planet earth in 2020. We need you. And so this is a time to really stay awake as Mars goes retrograde, stay awake 
redirect the energy. When you feel the intensity of it, redirect, do something different, drink a big glass of water, take a shower and wash your hair, eat something that you wouldn't normally eat that will change your palate, like give your body some sort of activation that is going to affect the senses, that is going to affect the way it moves. Turn on music that uh, that mimics your mood and dance the mood through you. Write about it. Move the energy. Allow the energy to be and move it through you. It's looking to be expressed. As Mars and Aries invokes the warrior, we must acknowledge the fact that we are in a battle of sorts here on Earth, an intergalactic battle for the precious energy of humanity. Stay on purpose. Invoke your creativity, your craft. Be strategic and on point. There's a force that would like nothing more than to take hold of your sacred life force. This Mars retrograde asks, can you live with spiritual courage? The opportunity is to act with pure instinct, to defend rightful territory with high authority. The key is sovereignty. Mars retrograde is about initiation, resurrection, and return. Each day is literally like a fire walk. You get to determine how you use your sacred energy. Only you get to define what is sacred, what is holy, and how you spend your time. And as we come towards the weekend on Saturday, September 12th, Jupiter turns direct at 17 degrees, 24 arc minutes, Capricorn. Jupiter has been retrograde since May 14th. So we've had plenty of time to analyze and rehash our plans. And it is likely for most of us, um, many of our plans have not gone as we have visioned them to go. Jupiter in Capricorn is one of the more challenging placements for Jupiter. And we only have between now and December the middle of December until Jupiter goes into Aquarius. So now is the time to reorient, to move forward. Last Saturday, Pallas Athene went direct. And so some of these outer planets are now all stationing direct. And by the end of September, Saturn will be direct as well 
later on in October, Pluto will go direct. And so the energy is shifting. We also have a Mercury retrograde coming up in Scorpio. So the personal planets are doing a deep cleanse of the psyche of our instinctual self. And remember Venus was in her retrograde earlier in the year from May through June. So the initiation continues. It is a continual string, like a string of pearls. And as we go through this, it is a series of events that is polishing you in this diamond mind process that brings us to another new moon on Thursday, September 17th, the Virgo new moon at 7 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. As I cast this chart, the sun and moon are at 25 degrees precisely Virgo with a Virgo rising this is a lunar cycle that is practical, that is about being embodied. As this new moon comes through, Jupiter has gone direct, Mars has gone retrograde. We have both the sun and the moon being squared by the nodes of fate, by the north node in Gemini, the south node in Sagittarius. And in the last episode, episode nine, I spoke about the nodes of fate and the significance of their journey on the Sagittarius Gemini axis, where we are truly, truly, truly dissolving the old paradigms, the old belief systems, the old ways of connecting to religion, to politics, to government, to philosophies and we are connecting with new concepts, new ideas, new ways of thinking, new ways of learning, new ways of teaching. So with this new moon, this Virgo new moon, as the nodes of fate are squaring the sun and the moon, there's again an activation about where we are coming from and where we are going what are the gifts we've received? What is our destiny, our dharma as a collective of humanity? And are we willing to truly shed and let go of those old beliefs? And each one of us as a human being has a vote in that. It's an excellent new moon to build with the sun and the moon trine Saturn and Capricorn and Saturn and Capricorn really wants to grow. It wants to build and that trine is this free flowing energy. And so this is a fabulous time to look at your new moon intentions from the Leo new moon and to continue to build and to build with the practicality of the Virgoian energy.
to be precise. Virgo is such a misunderstood sign. Virgo is the maiden, the holistic healer, the organizer, the humble servant. Pop astrology will just, you know, drive Virgo into the ground as workaholic and neurotic and organized and disciplined and mental and analytical. And all of these things are true. All of these abilities and ways of being are parts of Virgo. However, Virgo is about this mind-body healing with a true need to function efficiently while adapting to that which has been learned. Virgo is the season of refinement after the journey from Aries instinct to Taurus's building and lushness of the present moment to Gemini's curiosity and learning exchange to Cancer's deep emotions and memories to Leo's expression of creativity and that radiant self-confidence, Virgo comes through with this mutable, adaptable, yin, receiving, receptive, earthy, grounded energy that culminates the season of summer. And wishes to truly honor the process and all that is seen and to elevate it to its highest. Virgo energy is about being a great analyst, about discernment. It is a frequency that is helpful and useful, practical, modest, and focused on that which is pure. The shadow frequency of Virgo can be very shy and hermetic, neurotic, overly critical of self and others, very mental and fussy, even a hypochondriac. Through a higher experience, Virgo frequency comes to the realization that we are here to devote with steady consistency. However, perfection is not attainable in the physical body. Everything is in flux. Everything is in a state of change. And so that perfection is ever shifting as we really step deeper into this Virgoian frequency. It is this frequency that is this beautiful mother archetype. Virgo as the virgin, virgin being one who is sovereign, virgin having full power over her body. A true virgin is not one who has never had sex. A true virgin is one who knows 
the sacredness of their body, who knows the art of their body, the holiness of their body, and who decides whom and what may touch or have interaction with their body at any given point. This concept of the virgin is a frequency that is all about sovereignty. Sovereignty, to be sovereign is to be a king, a queen, or a person of high authority, a person of royalty. A true royal is a being who is in service to the divine. To crown thyself is to literally wear the symbol of service as the crown sits upon the crown of the head to remind one of the holy connection between the cosmic beings and our bodies as portals, as channels that anchor down and through to Mother Earth and about this connection. And as we bow, as we come to place our head towards the earth, we allow the heart to come rise higher than the head. To be of service requires the ability to continually come to center, to burn off the dross, to burn away anything that is not pure or holy, to dismantle the systems of oppression. The vulture crown was an ancient Egyptian crown worn by great royal wives, female pharaohs, and high-ranking priestesses. This crown depicted a vulture with its two wings hanging from both sides of the head and was a symbol of great protection, a symbol of sovereignty, a symbol of divine conception of purity. This concept of divine conception, light conception, runs through parts of ancient Egyptian mysticism, particularly around the journey of Isis, Oset, Iset. The vulture was very important in Egypt and could be worshipped as the Nekbet, as Isis or Mut. And the vulture was considered to be the origin of all things. The vulture goddess Nekbet, she of Nekeb, Elkab, symbol of the royalty of Upper Egypt, the great protector, and the wings of the winged sun disk. One could say that Isis's most primordial form is the Nekbet, the winged vulture goddess. Tracing the lineage of ancient goddesses on earth, in the beginning was the bird goddess and the snake goddess. 
The winged vulture goddess comes from the primordial waters of creation, just as the primordial snake goddess. The neckbet is ancient and powerful. As we have discussed, Set's home is the star Sirius Sabtet. Set is the child of Mother Nut, as are Osiris, Horus, Set, and Nephis. Isis is the great mother goddess, the wife of Osiris, daughter of both Jeb and Nut, the archetype of wifely love and devoted motherhood, goddess of magic and healing, green goddess and guardian of the canopic jars. The vulture goddess, creatrix of Upper Egypt, the great mother goddess, self-creating. The vulture is very zealous in caring for its young. And for a female vulture to become pregnant, there's no sexual intercourse that is needed. The female receives the male seeds that are carried by the winds. This is a true virgin birth, just as Isis has a virgin birth, a light conception. And as we look at the archetype of the vulture, we can see that vultures are quite often misunderstood as they're often associated only with death. However, as Ted Andrews wrote in Animals Speak, in Greek tradition, the vulture is known to be a descendant of the griffin, a mythical creature. The griffin is associated with heaven and earth, spirit and matter, good and evil, guardian and avenger, the avenger of the nature spirits. And the vulture is a link to the mysteries of life and death. It's fascinating how these creatures, these beings like the snake, the vulture that connect us to the cycle of life are some of the most feared creatures. Part of this journey we're on in these times is a reclamation of the cycle of life, which in order to achieve that, we must come to terms with death. The vulture is all about purification, death, and rebirth. This is a symbol of new vision, a symbol of purification, particularly for the Pueblos. Its medicine would restore harmony that had been broken. Its feather was used in rituals for grounding after shape-shifting ceremonies, facilitating the return of the self. And 
the vulture as a scavenger serves to limit infections and bacteria from corpses that could otherwise spread to other animals who do not have the resistance. So the vulture literally ingests that which is putrid so that other animals don't have to take it in. Vultures walk, stand, and perch with dignity, with confidence. They have great sight. They have an ability to use the thermal rising from the earth, which gives them an extra lift. Their ability to use the thermals is similar to auric vision. In a way, they can see the subtle energy emanations from the body. The vulture is a patient hunter. It can soar for hours without flapping its wings. It has tremendous symbols of flight without power. The wings rarely move, reflecting that the power for flight does not come from them. They simply use that which is available. That is a sophisticated life force. A mystical secret of the vulture is levitation. Levitation is a law of spirituality. The vulture denies the material, instead floating, rising, and soaring as a symbol of movement away from that which is mundane. It is a symbol of distributing one's energy so that gravity does not weigh and hold one down. Whether it is the actual gravity of earth or the gravity of situations and experiences. Volter teaches how to use energy powerfully and efficiently because they do not need to flap their wings often. They have keen eyesight, eight times more sharp than a human's, and a very strong sense of smell. They are able to smell. And it is through the scent powers of the vulture that great mother Isis, Aset, was able to find the parts of her beloved's body, Osiris, and to collect the parts that Set had distributed throughout the land of Kemet. As she had shape-shifted into the vulture, she was able to smell her way to her beloved. Vultures ask us, how do things smell in our lives? Smell is associated with higher forms of discrimination in metaphysical tradition. How are we smelling? How are we digesting? In alchemy, the vulture is a symbol of sublimation, particularly because of its resemblance to the eagle, a sign of confirmation of a new relationship between the volatile aspects of life and the fixed, the psychic energies and the cosmic forces, a promise that the suffering of the immediate was temporary and necessary for a higher purpose was at work. And so in these times, in this great Mars 
initiatory journey. May you call upon this vulture medicine to instinctually utilize your sacred holy life force to rise above the mundane, to burn off the dross, to come to that which is pure, to your full royal sovereign self, to be that king, that queen of your domain, and to utilize right action in these times of great, powerful transformation. May it be so, and so it is. Blessed be Ashe Aho. Take a moment and find yourself seated or come lie down free of distractions, free of electronics, closing the door to the space you're in and doing whatever it is necessary to create a sacred, quiet space and allow yourself as you sit or lie down Allow the body to become nice and heavy, deeply, deeply relaxed. Allow the breath to lengthen and deepen and find its own natural rhythm here and now. And as you do so, allow wave after wave of deep relaxation to enter in through the soles of the feet and travel up through the ankles and the shins and the calves and the thighs up into the pelvic bowl and all the digestive organs up through the vertebrae up into the lungs and the heart up through the shoulders going down the arms down through the wrists out to the fingertips and cascading back up the arms this gentle wave of relaxation coming up through the throat and the neck up into all of the muscles of the face and the head all of the bones of your head and your whole body just deeply deeply relaxing all of the hair on your head deeply, deeply relaxing. Allowing the bones of you to connect to the bones of Mother Earth, the place of mineral, of memory, where your story, your ancestral story is stored welcoming in this wise, holy part of yourself, 
welcoming in your female lineage, your male lineage, all of your ancestral lineage, welcoming in the yin and the yang, welcoming in the unification, that mystical marriage deep, deep from within. Welcoming, welcoming all parts of yourself here and now as another deep wave of relaxation runs through your entire system and you begin to feel yourself lying on the earth in a hot desert sun filled day and this beautiful vulture bird comes and lands next to you and as you're lying there the vulture gently gracefully begins to pick away the parts of you that are no longer you the parts of you that are ready to shed to dissolve to let go the parts of you that are diseased, that have forgotten, that have lost their way, this vulture begins to pick away gracefully, easefully all of these parts of you. And you just allow, as you lie here, you allow yourself to be picked away. You allow the muscles that carry the paradigms that are so far from your true essence to be picked away, to be devoured and consumed. And as you lie there, you begin to find yourself coming back to the very bones of who you are, just as your ancestors have done. And you find your bones lying there so beautiful, like these beautiful quartz crystals and the pure desert sun beams down upon them, activating them all the way from the great central sun of all suns, the great cosmic sun of all suns, bringing in these codes of light, of intelligence, of healing, these star seed codes filled with the great remembering. You allow these bones of yours to be filled with these light codes. And this beautiful vulture begins to flap her wings. She begins to flap her wings and dance the sacred dance around your bones of your body. And as she does so, you begin, you begin to grow new life, new muscles, new blood, new skin, new hair, new teeth, new nails, 
and you feel yourself filling out as you breathe in this hot desert sun and hear and feel the flapping of the vulture's wings. You smell her scent upon you. And your flesh is fully grown out and you are this new life and you find yourself being drawn to come into this fetal position and you hug like this beautiful little rock in the center of this womb of the key of life, the Ankh symbol, you find yourself holding yourself like a beautiful brand new baby in this womb of life, womb of creation with your cells of all of your body singing with this new light, these light codes from the great cosmic sun of creation and you allow you allow your senses to be washed over by the intelligence of your ancestors you allow your senses to be washed over by the intelligence of your descendants you allow you allow this wisdom to come through you allow the support to come through in this moment as you begin to hold within your three grails of wisdom your womb your heart your third eye you hold in the sacred space you hold the vision the prayers the intentions the seeds the seeds of plenty that you are here to cultivate in this sacred life and the neck bed, she comes now to fly through the air all around you blessing you and your auric field you and your lineage blessing you and you receive the sacred blessing the sacred dance you receive this holy purification and rejuvenation and regeneration you receive and you give great thanks and you allow yourself to receive deeper and deeper and deeper
Thank you for sharing sacred space. My prayer is that we awaken to the reality that we are a hologram for the collective. By being fierce in our authentic truth, we have the opportunity to elevate life on this exquisite planet Earth. Crystallize your medicine.